Welcome to the Deep Dive Discussions podcast, where we unpack complex ideas and groundbreaking studies. I'm your host, Tom. And I'm Jen. Today, we're going to delve into a very intricate paper titled The Problem of Viewpoint 2, Constraints on the Structure of the Pictorial Percept. This paper challenges some fundamental assumptions about how we perceive drawn or pictorial images. The author pushes us to reconsider the relationship between visual stimuli and visual experience. Let's set the stage with a bit of context. The paper argues that when we look at the real world, our perceptions are veridical. That means they correspond pretty closely to actual physical objects out there. But the non-veridical nature, or inaccuracy, of pictorial percepts like drawings requires us to tackle the profound gap between the visual cues we receive and the perceptions we construct from them. Right. This paper is significant because it focuses on understanding the visual structures and constraints that shape our pictorial perceptions. The author is interested in why certain patterns and drawings consistently give rise to specific perceptions, like the Necker cube always looking like a cube from a particular viewpoint. A key concept here is the idea of symmetrization. The paper suggests that our visual system prefers to see the symmetrical version of an object, one that's balanced and the same on both sides. And this isn't happening in isolation. Our perception is influenced by how objects relate to their surroundings and how we as viewers relate to the environment. Let's talk about coordinate systems. The paper discusses the visual imposition of coordinate systems that help us make sense of object position and orientation. For a listener who might not be familiar with coordinate systems, these are like imaginary grid lines that help us determine where things are. Imagine a graph paper overlaid on top of what you see, giving you a way to describe the location of objects. Exactly, Jen. The object system has a perceived top, bottom, and sides. It's what lets us give directions like up, down, or side to side. These aren't just geometric. They're also tied to our understanding of gravity. What goes up must come down. The paper discusses how even when an object is rotated and no longer aligned with the direction of gravity, we still perceive these characteristics, like upright or tilted, based on our physiological processes. And while the real-world experience of seeing 3D objects corresponds to actual physical structures, this isn't the case when we see 2D depictions, like in drawings or pictures. The shape, orientation, and perceived viewpoint can be very different from any real 3D structure that actually exists. That's a mouthful. So if we take the example of the Necker cube, even though we might look at it straight ahead, our brain can perceive it from above or below. Which leads us to question how we transform these flat drawings into full-blown visual experiences of objects with shape, orientation, and a viewpoint. The implication is that these visual processes are more than just passive reflections. Their active transformations, influenced by our evolutionary development, the forces of gravity, and the geometry of our surroundings. Moving on to the methodology, the author didn't conduct new experiments, but rather analyzed existing psychological and perceptual theories. The key technique here is a theoretical analysis combined with a discussion of previous experimental outcomes like the Necker cube perception or experiments using tilted rooms. And the main findings? Well, the paper asserts that our perception is formed by a complex interplay of symmetrization and orienting tendencies, along with coordinate systems that our brain imposes. In terms of the broader impact, 
These findings could influence multiple fields, from cognitive science to artificial intelligence and even virtual reality design, helping us understand and recreate human visual perception more accurately. That's a wrap on the core. Now let's analyze the implications. The concepts laid out could reshape how we understand the visual system's relationship with art, perception, and perhaps even how we interact with our virtual environments. To conclude, this paper gives us a fascinating look at the structures and constraints within our visual perception, particularly when it comes to pictorial or 2D stimuli. It's incredible, Jen. The author's thesis, that our perception is actively creating an orderly and symmetrical experience from the often chaotic stimuli we receive, is a testament to the sophistication of the human visual system. It really is, Tom. The paper is dense but bears with it a profound message about human experience and our perception of the world. It's studies like these that keep us marveling at the intricate workings of our own minds. Absolutely, Jen. Our ability to perceive, interpret, and give meaning to flat visuals in a way that makes sense within our 3D reality is nothing short of amazing. And that's all for today's episode on the problem of Viewpoint 2, Constraints on the Structure of the Pictorial Percept. Thanks for joining us and expanding your understanding of visual perception with us. Don't forget to subscribe for more deep dives into fascinating topics. This is Tom. And Jen, signing off from Deep Dive Discussions. Keep pondering those percepts. Are you tired of staring at boring, flat pictures that just don't pop? Introducing the third dimension with 2D Poof, our latest breakthrough innovation in home decor. Inspired by the problem of Viewpoint 2 study, this revolutionary product transforms your blasé 2D art into an extravaganza of depth perception. Simply slap a 2D poof sticker onto any image and watch as it symmetrizes before your eyes, defying the constraints of your pictorial percept. Ever wanted your cat's portrait to follow you around the room? 2D poof makes it seem like it does. Disclaimer, no actual felines were harmed or enchanted in the making of this product and say goodbye to boring office walls. With 2D Poof, that pie chart can finally pop out like the business success you've always imagined. Each sticker is imbued with the essence of gravity-defying fun and perception-altering magic, ensuring your artwork is never flat again. So why settle for two dimensions when you can have 2.5? Order now and we'll throw in an exclusive Necker Cube Illusion paperweight. Because with 2D Poof, your world is no longer flat, it's flat-out fascinating. 2D Poof is not responsible for any mind-bending side effects or spontaneous geometry discussions. Batteries not included because, well, stickers don't need batteries. Call now. Welcome to today's episode of our award-winning podcast, where we delve deep into the intricate workings of the human mind. I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. Today, we're unpacking a fascinating paper titled Modeling the Minds of Friends, Dorsomedial Prefrontal Cortex Encodes Accurate Dyadic Meta-Evaluations About How Others Perceive Us by Sean A. Rhodes and Abigail A. Marsh from Georgetown University. That's right, Jen. We're going to dive into why this paper is making waves in the world of psychology and neuroscience. It addresses the age-old question, how accurately can we guess what our friends think of us? And it's not just about guesswork. This study examines how our brain, particularly a region known as the dorsomedial prefrontal cortex, processes these predictions using state-of-the-art neuroimaging techniques. 
Before we dive in, let's set the stage. This paper focuses on meta-evaluations, our ability to understand how others perceive us. This skill is crucial for our social success, whether we're interacting casually, forming relationships, or trying to make a good impression. Now, these meta-evaluations are a bit of a computational puzzle for the brain. It needs to model information about ourselves from another person's viewpoint. Prior research suggests that we can make fairly accurate meta-evaluations thanks to certain brain regions, especially within the default mode network, which includes the medial prefrontal cortex and posterior cingulate. But what's groundbreaking here is the dyadic nature of this study. Rhodes and Marsh brought in pairs of friends to evaluate each other, allowing them to directly compare how one's meta-evaluations aligned with the friend's actual perceptions. In doing so, they found that neural activity in the dorsomedial prefrontal cortex mirrored how accurately participants predicted their friend's perception of their personality traits. Essentially, the brain region encoded a model of the friend's evaluation that bolstered meta-evaluation accuracy. And there's more, but let's save that for the core of our discussion, where we'll dissect the methodology, the compelling results, and their broader impact. Stick with us as we unwrap how the mind simulates the thoughts of others and how our brains help us navigate the social landscape through this incredible process. It's bound to be a thought-provoking journey into the complexities of human interaction. Indeed. And remember, while neuroscience and psychology can be dense, we're here to make them a little more digestible and, dare I say, fun. That's right. So grab your favorite drink, get comfy, and let's get into the nitty-gritty of understanding how we model the minds of our friends. Stay tuned as we begin our detailed walkthrough of this groundbreaking paper. Have you ever wondered if your friends really get you or if you truly understand them? Well, wonder no more with MindMeld Matchups, the company born from breakthrough neuroscience. That's right, Jen. MindMeld Matchups offers a revolutionary service where you and your friend wear funky brain caps and play a game of guess what I'm thinking while our super sciencey machines do all the mind reading. Is your buddy thinking about pizza when you're discussing politics? Our dorsomedial prefrontal cortex decoder will spill the beans. And wait, it gets weirder. With each correct guess, you both earn points that can be redeemed for prizes like matching t-shirts that say, we're on the same brainwave. Or even a lifetime supply of telepathy-enhancing brain food, also known as blueberries. Who knew? So if you're ready to put your friendship to the test and embrace the bizarre side of bonding, give MindMeld Matchups a try. Sign up today and get a 20% discount with the promo code BRAINFRIENDS. Do it for science. Do it for laughs. Do it for the blueberries. MindMeld Matchups, the ultimate brain bonding experience. Welcome, everyone, to today's special episode of our award-winning podcast. I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. In this episode, we're unraveling a complex and fascinating topic, the how and why of sleep, motor theory and catecholamine hypothesis. Sleep, an enigma that has puzzled scientists and philosophers for centuries, is a state we all experience, yet its complexities continue to intrigue us. That's so true. Our aim is to shed light on this mysterious physiological necessity by diving into a significant paper by Chen Yan Ma and Yang Dan from the University of California, Berkeley. 
This discussion promises to provide valuable insights for neuroscientists, psychologists, and anyone interested in the science of sleep. The paper we're discussing, listeners, is critical because it offers a new perspective on how and why our bodies transition from wakefulness to sleep, which entails far-reaching changes both in the realm of consciousness and in our physical activities. So, to our listeners out there, even if you're not a scientist or a sleep expert, fear not. We're here to guide you step-by-step step through the motor theory and catecholamine hypothesis presented in this research and explain why it could transform our understanding of sleep. Let's talk background first. Scientists have been investigating the intricacies of sleep for a long time. Historically, the preoptic area of the hypothalamus was considered the sleep center, but recent studies reveal that the truth is far more complex. That's right, Tom. Instead of a single sleep center, new techniques have uncovered a whole array of sleep-related neurons throughout the forebrain, midbrain, and hindbrain. This advancement enhances our grasp of sleep's elusive nature and its intricate mechanisms. And it's not just about identifying certain neurons. The understanding of why we sleep also hinges on recognizing the consequences of sleep deprivation, which can impact our cognitive processes, emotional well-being, and physical health in diverse and complex ways. Now, before we delve into the details, let's briefly touch upon the cornerstone concepts that underpin this paper such as the autonomic and somatic motor systems, catecholamines, and their roles in regulating arousal and motor functions in both our waking and sleeping states. Absolutely, and it's important to understand words like norepinephrine and dopamine, which are types of catecholamines. They're chemicals our bodies produce that have powerful effects on our mood, attention, and bodily responses in various situations. With these concepts in mind, we will explore the objectives and key results of the paper, which argue that the sleep control network is deeply integrated with somatic and autonomic motor control networks. The researchers used advanced anatomical screening methods to identify various sleep-promoting neurons, which decreased motor activity and mental arousal, ultimately facilitating sleep, hence the motor theory. They also introduced the catecholamine hypothesis, proposing that the inactivation of catecholamine signaling is essential for generating sleep and providing its various benefits, including cognitive and immune functions. Not only does this have implications for our basic understanding of sleep, but it potentially paves the way for new therapeutic strategies to tackle sleep disorders and diseases where sleep plays a secondary but pivotal role. In conclusion, we'll circle back to summarize and reflect on the expansive yet interconnected roles of motor activities and catecholamine activity in sleep regulation. Critics of earlier hypotheses on sleep argued that it was a passive process, but this paper suggests it's active and fundamental to our well-being. So settle in, everyone. As we embark on this exploration of the mysterious world of sleep, we'll guide you through the complex science, translate the jargon, and hopefully leave you with a few insights you can take to Pillow tonight. And with that, let's dive deep into the fascinating motor theory and catecholamine hypothesis of sleep. Are you tossing and turning at night, pretending to be a dolphin in a sea of caffeinated dreams? Or maybe you're sleepwalking through your day, feeling like a zombie who's lost its taste for brains. Well, have no fear, sleepyheads. We're excited to introduce you to Dreamwaves, the quirky new company 
inspired by the groundbreaking sleep research we've been discussing. DreamWaves is here with its revolutionary catnapomatic beds, guaranteed to inactivate your pesky catecholamines and rock your motor system to sleep mode. With a patented neuromellow feature, these beds gently nudge your brain from wild wakefulness into serene slumber, synchronizing with your body's funny little quirks. Whether you twitch like a dreaming pup or drool like a slobbering sphinx, Catnapomatic cradles you in comfort and orchestrates your transition into dreamland with the precision of a world-class conductor. And for those of you who love a bedtime story, each Catnapomatic comes with a built-in storyteller, narrating tales so oddly satisfying they'll bewitch your brainwaves into submission. Transition from hustle and bustle to hush and lull with dreamwaves because who wouldn't want a sleep-inducing bed that understands the science behind your ZZs? Mention our podcast, and you'll get a complimentary bottle of snooze juice, the dreamy elixir that takes your motor down a few notches and puts the beauty back in your sleep. Dreamwaves, where science meets slumber, and you meet your pillow with a smile. Sweet dreams, listeners. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of our podcast. Today, Jen and I are diving into a fascinating subject that impacts the lives of elementary school students, the importance of their social resources for academic achievement and personal well-being. That's right, Tom. This is especially significant considering children spend a vast amount of their waking hours in school, making this environment critical to their development. The paper we're discussing today Importance of Students' Social Resources for Their Academic Achievement and Well-Being in Elementary School by Jakob Schwerter and colleagues illuminates how social interactions, particularly with peers and teachers, impact key aspects of school success. These insights come from an analysis of over 3,950 fourth-grade students in Germany. It's a part of a larger project funded by the Ministry of Culture and Science of the State of North Rhine-Westphalia. Let's unpack the two main social interactions studied here. Experiences with bullying and perceived teacher support. These are operationalized in a way to gauge how bullying affects students' sense of safety, and teacher support reflects the help and interest teachers show in their students' learning. Tom, bullying is a plague in many schools, and studies consistently find a significant negative relationship between being bullied and academic success. This paper uses Pearl's 2016 data to delve into this further and study its connection to school enjoyment, a key component of school-related well-being. And as for teacher support, Jen, we see that it acts as a protective factor, improving students' connection to their school. Previous research shows positive correlations with academic achievement and well-being, but the novel aspect here is our focus on elementary students in the German context. Absolutely, Tom. The research leans on the relationships motivation theory within the self-determination framework, suggesting that positive relationships satisfy basic psychological needs and thus influence achievement and well-being. Now let's delve into the nuts and bolts of the methodology. Researchers utilized elaborate machine learning methods to analyze the data while controlling for variables like socioeconomic background and cognitive abilities. Their key findings? Fewer bullying experiences and more perceived teacher support were related to academic achievement and enjoyment of school. However, post-analysis showed that only effects on well-being remained robust. In essence, Jen, 
positive relationship experiences are crucial for students' well-being, but not necessarily for boosting academic achievement, which is quite a revelation, I must say. It is, Tom. Furthermore, this study also considered subgroups like gender, immigration background, and socioeconomic status, unveiling nuanced effects of social resources across different student demographics. As we wrap up our conversation, it's important to reflect on the broader implications. This research underscores that interventions aiming to improve social climates in schools could be tremendously beneficial for elementary students' well-being, if not explicitly their academic achievement. Indeed, Tom, such findings pave the way for more targeted educational strategies that focus on fostering supportive teacher-student relationships and mitigating peer bullying, which could lead to a more conducive learning environment and happier students. Are you tired of report cards that don't matter? Do you want to see your kids actually enjoy school? Well, have we got the solution for you. Introducing Happy Hallways, the company born from the groundbreaking research on how social resources are key to student well-being. Happy Hallways specializes in transforming your child's school experience from meh to yeah. With our innovative PeerPal programs and super supportive Sensei Squad, our Peer Pals are like little friendship fairies spreading joy and banishing bullies with their magical high fives and award-winning empathy exercises. And don't forget about our Sensei Squad, not your average teachers. They come equipped with laser-sharp listening skills and heartwarming homework help. With their support beams and interest jetpacks, they're ready to lift your kids' spirits to the stratosphere. Say goodbye to the blues and wave hello to happiness. Call Happy Hallways today and turn that frown upside down, one hallway at a time. Happy Hallways, because every child deserves to skip down the corridor in complete educational bliss. Call 1-800-HAPPY-KID. That's 1-800-H-A-P-I-K-I-D. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to today's episode of our award-winning podcast. I'm your host, Tom. And I'm Jen. Today we're diving into a remarkable and complex topic in the world of psychometric evaluation and statistical analysis. We're going to explore a research paper titled Beta Binomial Meta-Analysis of Individual Differences Based on Sample Means and Standard Deviations, Studying Reliability of Some Scores of Binary Items, authored by Philip Dobler, Suzanne Frick, and Anna Dobler. This paper provides a comprehensive understanding of a method for analyzing individual differences using tests composed of dichotomous items, which means the items have two possible responses. The paper touches on the significance of this method in detecting and quantifying individual differences in abilities and personalities and the overarching role tests play in various subfields of psychology. The key takeaway in the introduction of the paper is the introduction of a meta-analytical method to evaluate test instruments with binary items without requiring individual level data. It makes crucial advances over existing techniques by utilizing only sample means and standard deviations of some scores to perform this analysis. Absolutely, Jen. And the underpinning concept behind this method is the beta binomial distribution, which assumes that test scores are beta binomially distributed, an assumption shown to hold true across diverse settings. Right. Now, let's spiderweb into that a little bit because it's important to understand the two parameters that the method focuses on. 
mean difficulty, and what's known as the overdispersion parameter. That overdispersion parameter, Jen, is a treasure since it's interpreted as the test's ability to detect individual differences, a clear measure of how detailed and precise the test can discern among individual nuances. And this is where things start to make a significant impact on the field because the bivariate meta-analytical approach pools these two parameters, providing insights that could revolutionize how we perceive testing instruments. The method draws from a sensible statistical foundation and is made accessible and applicable through the author's provision of R code, which is quite the olive branch to the statistical and, and statistical and psychometric community. To wrap this introduction up, this paper targets a critical gap in the researcher's arsenal when dealing with aggregated test data, proposing a methodology that enriches our ability to make strong, reliable inferences about individual differences. Now, Jen, let's leap into the core of it all, where we'll dissect the objectives, methodology, and the enchanting findings of the paper. But before we do, let's remind our audience that they're about to get a masterclass in beta binomial distributions. Oh. It's going to be epic, Tom. They'll better buckle up because we're going to navigate through methodological mazes, scale the summits of statistical significance, and traipse through the trails of theoretical implications. Stay with us. And now, a quick break for a word from our sponsor, the folks over at Datascopers. That's right, Datascopers, where the mystical realms of psychometrics and whimsy collide. Ever dreamt of a world where your exam toast doesn't burn just because you're pondering the reliability of some scores? Well, Datascopers has done the unthinkable. With the power of beta binomial glasses, see the world not in black and white, but in zeros and ones. Want to assess personality with binary choices like, are you a cat person or a dog person, but get lost in the sauce of statistical significance? Fear not. Datascopers' patented over-dispersion goggles magnify those nuances finer than Granny's best china. And guess what? They're shaped like binoculars to match the meta-analysis vibe. And for those who love to calculate on the go, each purchase comes with a sensational sidekick, StatCat, the calculator that purrs when your numbers are perfect. So whether you're a psychometrician or just a statistics enthusiast who gets a kick out of some scores and standard deviations, Datascopers has got you covered. Side effects may include an heightened sense of statistical clarity, sudden bouts of data analysis joy, and the uncontrollable urge to explain the beta binomial distribution at parties. Call 1-800-DATASCOPE today. And don't forget to mention the code BETABINOYES for a 5% discount on your first over-dispersion goggles. Datascopers. Because who doesn't want to quantify individual differences with a touch of panache? Now let's get back to the heart of our episode. 